When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. They're arriving right before your very eyes. Yeah. We saw it. Yeah. We saw it in the play-in. We saw who they are. We... We saw what Pat Bev means to them because they're a young team with an old head who knows how to play and has shown them not to be afraid. And Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, is arriving right before your very eyes with his swagger, with his presence, with his body language. (laughs) Oh, man. Got Skip Bayless with some weird floral patterned shirt. Talking about the Timberwolves for the first time in like 17 years. <laughs> I love how they're like this team. No one, no, this team. But they don't Dan even Edwards. know. It's like they're processing the existence of the Timberwolves on live TV. It's like this team is arriving, and uh, who's the guy's name? Like check the watching, notes. Ant, Ant, that Ant Man guy. Yeah, and I great. spent the entire year <laughs> watching LeBron James and the Lakers be awful, but and now there's this team. Flyover country. Emerging. Team. Emerging. It's hilarious. (laughs) Amazing. All right. This is Mackie and Judd. Daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy speculation. You name it. Uh, The show is presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been a partner of the Timberwolves, too, for a long time. So, you know, they know how to pick winners. Timberwolves and Mackie and Judd. That's right. You can find them online if you're looking for risk management tools and protection, and you're looking to maximize your business, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. And boys, the executive producer of this show, Declan Goff, has mm-hmm. made an executive decision I have. to bring back the weekly pecking order every Tuesday. Oh, yeah. You're on like and Judd. That's right. happy. Our live studio audience is yeah. very high on this segment. Mm-hmm. You took them to out west, so... I'm yeah, well, they're yeah, they're just over here next to my barking dog. I don't Maya. know why you had to take yeah, There was a station off the air just a couple minutes ago over here, and it's a whole thing. Not our station. Are you gonna Are you Tour gonna be able fine. to stay here? Yes, I'm okay? fine. Uh, the other our sister station was was off off the air. I'm okay. That's not my. Problem. Well, maybe we can feed. Maybe problem. we can feed this to them so that mm-hmm. the my talk audience can be. Yeah, they'd love to hear that. The first pecking order. So this all started with a pigskin pecking order weekly during football seasons like eight years ago, and then we just started ranking random things with the pecking order. Uh, I don't know. We got away from it in the last year, but now it's back every Tuesday. And gentlemen, I have for you, as requested by you guys on a text thread last night, the greatest Timberwolves playoff performances of all time, nice. individual player performances of all time. Okay. And and there's Love a disclaimer it. for this list. 
that Kevin Garnett could easily occupy like seven or eight of the ten. I have ten. Ten, ten. of the greatest. Now, they've only won like 16 or 17 playoff games in the franchise's history, and I have I have ten. They've advanced once. That Well, one in one season they advanced. One they, season. They advanced twice in twice that season. in one yeah. season, though. Yes. So, like, this is a... Uh, this is a diehard list right This here. is going to be a trip saying. down memory lane. Let's fire up the music right, here. This it. is the pecking order of the best Timberwolves playoff performances of all time. And I lied. I actually have 11 because I have an honorable mention. <laughs> okay. I have now an you, honorable now mention. Now you've gone too far. Now you've cheated the system. Uh, the, fir- the honorable mention, this is nuts, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you guys. Okay. 1997, Game 3, Western Conference Round 1 against the Rockets. All right, this was like the Rockets had already won back-to-back titles. Michael Jordan came back and kind of took the crown back first over. First playoff appearance, right? By the Wolves? This was the first Timberwolves playoff first appearance. First time they yes. qualified. Okay. Yep, it was a, and, and back then it was a five-game yep. first-round situation. Yep. A player not named Kevin Garnett dropped 26 points, 15 rebounds, Oh, and wow. played 44 minutes in this game for the Timberwolves and guarded Hakeem Olajuwon pretty well. They lost the game and they got swept in the series, but after the game was over, Barkley and some of the other Rockets players came up. I think Drexler was on that team and were like, dude, you guys, you got something going here. Don't get discouraged. Who is the player that dropped 26, 15, 12 offensive rebounds in 44 minutes? Well, if he had. How obscure is his name? It's not, I mean. Dean Garrett? Dean Garrett. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dean Garrett. Dean Garrett. Yeah, you got something special here with Dean what Garrett. What a pull. So the, the Wolves wound up losing the game 125 to 120, which ended the series. But Dean Garrett went for 26, 15, 12 offensive rebounds in 44 minutes and helped keep the, the Wolves in that game and almost kept the series alive. So as he's nice my of, I had to mention that performance. As nice of guys you will ever meet. I, I did a story on him for the Wolves game program back then. Yeah. And he was, I believe he was a former Hoosier. I think he had played in fact he might have been on the national championship team in 87 that beat syracuse okay. when keith smart made that shot so he you know and i and i don't know where he lives now but he used to live still in minnesota because he would just go to you just see him in the crowd at timberwolves <laughs> games just this really? seven foot dude with super high knees in the seat you know just just watching bad timberwolves basketball after the the kg era was <laughs> over so all right number oh, 10 on the list let's start with the actual packing order here greatest timberwolves playoff performances ever right. number 10 jimmy butler in the 2018 Western Conference first round against the Rockets, Game 3, Wolves were down two games to none, coming back home. Got to have a win to keep the series competitive. And Jimmy goes off for 28 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. A pretty standard Jimmy Butler performance at that time, he was, and, and he still puts up performances like that. Uh, so the Wolves beat the Rockets pretty handily in this game. That's their only other playoff win besides Saturday in 17, 18 years. So nice work. And there were some other performances. Cat grabbed a bunch of rebounds in that game. But Jimmy Butler, 28-7-5. Kind of his signature performance as mm-hmm. a Timberwolf, if you will. Okay. Number nine. Anthony Peeler. Nice. In game five of the 1998 Western Conference first round against the Sonics. This was, a, oh. this was game five, a decisive game five in a five-game series on the road in Seattle. And Anthony Peeler went off for 28 points in this game and knocked down six three-pointers. He also had six assists, five steals, and four rebounds in this game. 
it wasn't enough because the Wolves wound up losing. Uh, the Sonics pulled away in the fourth quarter. But the Wolves led this game at halftime. And everyone, I think, thought, finally, this is it. I guess this, is the, this was the second year that they were in the playoffs. Uh, so maybe not finally, but KG and Steph combined for 14 points in this game. They were Oof. awful. They both scored, I think, seven points. So it was Anthony Peeler that kept the Timberwolves in that game on the road, decisive game five. The Sonics, man, I miss them so much. That was such a great franchise. Detlef Shrimp. Never Sean should have Kemp, had Gary Oh, 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 the man child. Sean, Sean Camp was at that time such a star. I mean, he oh, Dude, God, he still has weed shops in, in the neighborhood. He does? And he's, oh, yeah. Cool. Sean Kemp's, huge now. Sean huge. Kemp's weed shops. I get to see that. Getting some white. So uh, Anthony Peeler going off. All right. Yep. Number eight on my list, Anthony Edwards. Game one against the Grizzlies. Dropping 36.6 assists, helping the Timberwolves to take a 1-0 series lead. Um, I think it's one of the 10 best performances in Timberwolves playoff history. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, really, when you look at the whole spectrum, there's not like, it's not like, oh my God, he's got to move Mike in a side, and I gotta have take him <laughs> off the list. So yeah, I, I mean, it was a great performance. I think. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of sad that like you know, there's games on this list, and there's more coming, where it's like game one of the first round. You know, they took a first. You know, you, a if while. you did this for the Lakers or the Celtics or the yeah. Bulls, you know, it'd be. Uh, but it is what we, it's what we have right now, and we're we're building this thing together, okay, brick by brick here. With the Timberwolves. Thanks, BJ. All right, number seven on the list of my pecking order of greatest Timberwolves playoff performances ever. We go to 2004, game five of the Western Conference semis against the Kings. This wound up being a seven-game series. In game five, Latrell Sprewell, this, the series was tied at two games apiece. Back home in Minnesota, and Sprewell went off. He led all scorers with 34 points, seven rebounds, and six assists. This was his best game as a Timberwolf in a time where they needed it to take a 3-2 series lead, and then eventually they win in seven games. So uh, this is kind of it for Spree. He didn't. I mean, he still played pretty well going forward, but this was like the pinnacle moment for Latrell Spreewell's Timberwolves career. He had to right? feed his family, Phil. He had to feed his family. What was it? He turned down like a three-year, $21 million contract. The next year. Yes. Which, by the way, like that's basically what the mid-level exception is now. Like, that's a pretty good contract now in oh, 2022. Yeah. Yeah. And he turned it down and never played again, I don't think. I don't think he played nope. again. He disappeared. He disappeared. <laughs> but I think games like right, that guy. is why he said, I need more than $21 million over three years. I guess. Oh. All right. Number six on the list here. Let's talk about Sam Cassell. 2004 playoffs. Not the game that you think I'm going to throw out, but this is game one of the first round against the Nuggets. And Sam Cassell, in a win over the Nuggets, scored 40 points on 16 of 24 shooting Jeez, wow. to carry this team 5 of 6 from downtown. Absolutely bonkers performance by Sam Cassell. And it showed you, like, if you watched him on a regular basis, like, like this dude can pretty much score. That 16-footer is always there from the elbow. He can shoot threes. He can get to the rim. But he always chose to be with the Timberwolves, more of a distributor. And, you know, if the ball swung around to him, he'd shoot a spot-up jumper, but... Um, but this was a game where he said, I'm feeling myself. I, I don't just run around my house. I run my house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drop 40 points on 24 shots to help the Wolves take a 1-0 series lead against the Carmelo Anthony-led Nuggets. Flip had to love that game. Flip had to absolutely love that. Yeah, but I mean, he was like that. That's the thing is the, the brief shining time for that 
collection. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Cassell, Sprewell, Garnett, like that was a lot of fun. They were yeah. really good together. So we've we've cleared out the bottom half of the top ten here. Jimmy Butler in 2018, Anthony Peeler in a decisive game five, going off for 28. Anthony Edwards a couple days ago, Latrell Sprewell. Game 5, Western Conference semis in 04, and Sam Cassell starting off the 2004 playoff run with 40 points. Okay. And now we get into the top five. And most of these guys don't have performance issues in the top five. All right, But if you do, Valley Park Medical Clinic is here for you. Okay, Don't have to be ashamed. Don't have to be embarrassed. Valley Park Medical Clinic is dedicated to providing breakthrough ED remedies to men in the greater Minneapolis area. Surgery-free, drug-free, non-invasive treatments. These people are highly trained. I would hope so. They'll work with you in a discreet manner and make you feel at home so you can ask any question in a professional manner in a confident, uh, confidential environment. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com All right. Let's get up for the next five here. Maya speaking Mackey of Timberwolves, very Maya, excited speaking about of pups. Right. Maya's very excited. My little, little Timberwolf outside the door here, yep. all excited. Uh, we're going to train her to not do that in a couple weeks here once uh, old Macadac gets Why? back from his travels. She's a fan. She's a fan of the show. Yeah, she yeah, she the loves show. the show. Loves the show. All right, number five, Terrell Brandon in 2000. Oh. So this would have been the fourth year of Wolves. So 97, 90. This would have been the fourth year of Wolves playoffs. Game three of the Western Conference first round matchup against the Blazers. All right. Yeah. So uh, the, the Wolves, again, these are five game series. The Wolves were down two games to none, one game away from elimination. So they need performances here. Terrell Brandon in this game, and it wound up being a loss, but he played all 48 minutes of game three, scored 28 points, dished 12 assists, and grabbed seven rebounds. And on defense, he held Damon Stoudemire, the point guard for the Blazers, to two points on 0 for 8 shooting. This was Terrell Brandon's shining moment with the Timberwolves, unfortunately, wow, in a loss that ended the series. But this dude played all 48 minutes of I game three. never did that again or, or came close. <laughs> and then he was cooked. <laughs> like, he was Buxton before Buxton. Yeah. He had, like, random foot injuries and knee and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, Flip Saunders, going through some of these games, like, Flip Saunders was... Not playing nine or ten man rotations. He was playing seven or eight guys, mm-hmm. yeah. and the top players were playing 42, 44 minutes, or in this case, 48 minutes. And he was right. He was riding his best players. So how about that? TB, 48 minutes? Hell no yeah. breathers. If you had asked me, did Terrell Brandon ever in, in his entire career, playoff or not, play an entire game with the Wolves, I'd say, oh, highly doubtful. Well, no nobody, way. like, I think LeBron so James did it one impressive. time at one point with the Cavs when they were playing the Warriors, where, or they gave him a, didn't they give him a minute rest one time, and the Warriors went on like a 7-0 run, and then they brought him back in the game? So, incredible. Uh, KG, I think, played 44, 43 or 44 minutes in this game. So even Slacker. KG, <laughs> one of the most durable, conditioned players in NBA history, needed five minutes to breathe. I mean, even, All right, now, just quickly, on TV, just quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, take your time. In 12 playoff games, this dude averaged 39 minutes for the Wolves. He played in 12 games for the Wolves in the playoffs, All started all 12 of them, 18 points, 46% shooting. Like, the dude was really solid. That's he was awesome really good. Marbury was good. Yeah, he was, I think, he he, I mean, in a lot of ways, he was actually better than Marbury, because Marbury tended to be kind of a volume shooter, and you know, you know, was a little bit more of a selfish guy. But I just, wow. I always throw back to that era. The Wolves drafted Ray Allen. 
and they traded him on draft night yeah, for Stefan Marbury. Trade. Still a good trade. Still a good trade at the time. How can you say that? Yeah, though? I don't know. Like I know that yeah. I know twenty five years later it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but because back then the point guard position and what Steph brought was instrumental and he and KG were gonna be a great pairing. But and don't you so, think Ray, Ray Allen very clearly would have been the better pairing with KG? That they would have, like, Ray Allen wouldn't have demanded a that, trade after two years? In hindsight, with the way that the game operates today, yes. But at that time, point guards were it. Like, you had to find one. And this poor, this poor franchise hadn't found one. And I believe that their first point guard that they had, who, who was like, after Pooh, a true point guard, was Michael. Williams, who, if I'm not mistaken, was the first of a laundry list of athletes from our state who who developed plantar fasciitis. Oh, yeah. Didn't Wally have it? Uh, and Cordova had it eventually. Cordova. I think Shannon Stewart had it. That's Wally right. had it. But anyway, so when they took Steph or traded for Steph, it was seen as this, oh, my God, now you got Batman and Robin it's yeah. going to be fantastic. Like, we celebrated. We thought it was a great, great trade in retrospect. Yeah, well, yeah, and it was like, – Ray Allen would have been better. I, was, I, I would imagine if you had Ray Allen and Terrell Brandon. You know, you could have – maybe you could have acquired Terrell Brandon. But Terrell Brandon was really good. The problem was his health. Um, speaking of Wally Zerbiak, I saw on Saturday after yeah. – you know, Pat Bev sent a tweet out celebrating the game one victory or whatever it was, and Wally Zerbiak retweeted, like, you're making us proud. Is that the first time Wally has acknowledged – his Timberwolves lineage in like the last ten years, <laughs> you know, like it's not—it's not like Wally is like like he covers the Knicks on MSG, right? It's not, and he and he does some national stuff for CBS. But is Wally like publicly proud of his Timberwolves? I feel like he just kind of puts it aside, you know. And now that they're good, he's like, "That's right, I was a Timberwolf." He's I don't great. remember him saying much about the Wolves. Yeah, no, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But all right, number four, shut him down. Troy Hudson, oh my God. noted rapper and uh, very good offensive point guard for a few years at the Timberwolves. 2003, Game 2 of Western Conference Round 1 against the Lakers. The Wolves were in danger of falling down 2-0 in the series here. They were already down 1-0. And Troy Hudson comes up with a 37-point performance on 16 shots. He also got to the free throw line somehow 16 times. He went 15 of 16 from the free throw line. Also dished out 10 assists in this game. This was the game that kind of put Troy Hudson on the map, and then eventually he got more money, went to other teams, whatever. But uh, 37 points on 16 shots in a game that helped to make that first-round series. This is when it became a seven-game first-round series, and they went six against this Lakers team that wound up winning the championship. That was exciting. So Now, what people forget about this game, including myself, as we transition to the number three slot here, greatest performances in Timberwolves playoff history. Everyone talks about the T-Hud game. In that same game, Kevin Garnett, number three on this list, went for 35, 20, and 7. Wow. KG had the better game. In the T-Hud game, KG had the better game. 35, 20, Mm. and 7 against Shaq and the Lakers and Kobe and the Lakers. A championship Lakers team. 20? Oh, my God. This was the year also that that KG should have been the MVP. He got the MVP the next year. Tim Duncan, I think, got it this year. But, like, KG was playing at an MVP level and got snubbed. But that's the first KG appearance on this list. Again, 
you could have had eight KG. I mean, KG grabbed 15, 20 rebounds in seemingly almost every game. Number two. Look, the big balls dance game, boys. Oh, that's number two? The big balls dance game. Sam Cassell, 2004, game two of the Western Conference semis against the Sacramento Kings. So I watched this back last night. Mm-hmm. I watched the fourth quarter of this game on YouTube. It's available. Yep. Uh, Mike Breen, a young Mike Breen, is doing the game. I think with Bill Walton, actually. <laughs> Interesting pairing. So the Wolves were down by 10 points with four minutes left in this game at home, in danger of losing the first two games at home in this seven-game series, which would have been, they would have been screwed. And Sam Cassell helps the Wolves rip off 13 straight points. He scored, I think, seven of those 13, including a jumper from the baseline that gave the Wolves a 91-88 to lead with 17 seconds remaining and a big balls dance for the ages as he hopped down the court and celebrated. That crowd was maniacal. I mean, you forget like how crazy those crowds were at Target Center in that era. And Sam Cassell was... Uh, he blew the roof off with that jumper on the baseline to culminate a 13-0 run to win that game. I thought that that would be atop your list, so I'm very curious to hear what the number one is because I well, thought that would be it. I, know I mean, the number one is, yeah. I think, pretty obvious. Kevin Garnett, 2004 Game 7 Western Conference Semis against the Kings. 32 points, 21 rebounds, 5 blocks, 4 steals, 2 assists, only one foul committed despite all of that activity wow, that's in a grinded-out game. And the Wolves clinched a trip to the Western Conference Finals for the first and only time in franchise history. He knocked down a three from the top of the key in a crucial moment in that game and um, hopped up on the scores table afterward. Like just, it, It's the most iconic game and moment in Wolves franchise history. He did the whole loading up the clips and the Uzis that's right. <laughs> thing yep. before the game, right? Got criticism for that. The day before, yeah. So, do you have any problems with that being number no, one? No, no, no. no. Okay. That's a good one, yeah. Didn't he so also KG, play like 47 minutes in that game? Uh, I think see. it was 44, I want to okay. say. Okay. I don't know if you have it. 45, you, yeah. 45 minutes. 45. Good Lord. Okay. So, there it is. Minutes. Those are the 10 best playoff performances in Timberwolves history. I didn't, you know, Carl, Carl's had a couple decent games, but I, I did not put Carl on this list yet. Maybe he can earn it here against Memphis. Well, Carl against. In the loss to the Rockets, had one good game, right? Uh, he had a he had a couple double doubles. Okay, because he, he was had a couple terrible. Double doubles. He he got ripped because he was terrible in game one. I don't think he played great in game two, but then the games back here, he might have improved. Yeah, they. Let's see. The game one against the Rockets was actually a, a pretty close game. They they almost stole game one on the road. Mm-hmm. In that series, I'm just pulling up his log here. So he had. The first two games are when he got clowned on national TV. Like, he literally just stood in the corner and did nothing the whole game. You know, he played 40 minutes in the first game, took nine shots, scored eight points. In the second game, he only played 23 minutes, scored five points. Like, he was just unusable in the first two games. And then when they got back home, he went for 18 and 16, 22 and 15. And then uh, game five, they lost. He went for 23 and 14. So he kind of came back to being the Carl Towns that we know. But... He's a different dude now. Like he, he only took. It's crazy. He only took eleven threes in that whole series against the Rockets. He took five threes yeah. in the first game against Memphis. So yeah, different player putting put in different situations. He'll emerge on this list at some point. So KG game seven is number one. Sam Cassell big balls dance is number two. 
KG and Troy Hudson lighting up the Lakers in game two are three and four. Terrell Brandon playing all 48 minutes in 2000 against the Blazers, number five. Sam Cassell, 40 points against the Nuggets in 2004. Spreewell, a 34-point performance against the Kings in game 504. Uh, Anthony Edwards on Saturday. Peeler going off in the decisive game five against the Sonics. And Jimmy Butler, 2018, game three. And good luck. shout out to Dean Garrett for the honorable mention there. I had so no idea that Dean go. still went, went to Wolves games after uh, KG was traded as a fan. I had no yeah, idea. That's awesome. Hang out. Oh, maybe he still lives in Minnesota. So there you go. That is your packing order for this week, the Mackie and Judd packing order. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we can add another one here at some point. Got Dex, Dex with the, the Wolves in four. Wolves Steam in four. Going forward here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Timberwolves aren't the only team playoff bound. Because the Minnesota Wild over the week, and you guys have talked about some of this on Judd's Hockey Show, but let's let's expand here. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have clinched a playoff berth. Is this the second or third time in franchise history they've also uh, racked up a hundred points in the regular season? Oh, it's about. I think it's the fourth time. Fourth time. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think. It's are they are time. they on the verge of potentially setting the franchise oh, yeah. record yes. for points they're in a season? Or like they're six. I think they're six off. Okay, and they've got seven games left. Yes. The Blues just will not lose. The Blues just continue to win nine games in a row, and so they're a, they're a point up with a game in the Wild have a game in hand, but the Blues are a point up. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be if you play the Blues, and that's it's pretty much locked in at this point, right? Like yep. you're going to play the Blues in the first round. Yep. Um, that's a really tough matchup. The Blues are one of the best teams in the NHL. What constitutes a successful postseason for this Wild team? What constitutes it? Um, a playoff what do you need run, to see? A playoff run. But here's the thing. What does that mean? Well, a successful success is to win, I think, at least a round and probably two, in my opinion. Like, like, cause you made, you made trades to position your, yourself at the deadline for a playoff run, which is not, Hey, we won a couple games. It is, we, we won a couple of series got to the conference finals and actually competed there to get to a Stanley cup final. Now the issue is this, the, the national hockey league playoffs early rounds are extremely difficult. So like you don't play some bottom feeding lucky to be there playoff team that, that, you know, that you will be predicted to beat in five games. The blues are an extremely good team. Uh, they are a better team. To be clear, this Blues team is a better team than the team that won the Stanley Cup in 19. It is a more talented team up front. That team had big defensemen and would beat you up. This Blues team will actually score goals um, and is a better collection. So the thing about it, and I keep cautioning Dex on this, is in the first round, um, it's going to be disappointing if the Wild loses it will not be surprising it'll be surprising it'll be shocking if they get swept it'll be very disappointing and surprising if they lose in five but if they go seven they might lose and and i'm just preparing people the blues are damn good this is even as can can be in some ways the blues have an advantage in some ways they definitely do so be prepared that it is going to be a 
fight. It is going to be, and I'm not talking fisticuffs, I'm talking a fight sports-wise, to get through the first round. And if the Wild goes out in six or seven, you cannot say, I'm shocked because this Blues team is damn good. They are as good, if not better, than your team. Yeah, the Western Conference is top-heavy. Like, the Avs are damn good, the Wild are good, the Flames are good. And the Wild are going to have to go through a tough team in St. Louis to get to the next round of playoffs that inevitably have to go through Colorado as well. Um, it's going to be tough to get there. But if they get bounced in the first round, it is a massive disappointment. If this series goes 7 or 4 and they lose in the first round, it is still constitutes to me as a massive disappointment. You are on track to shatter every franchise record. You have a superstar player who has already shattered his previous records. Kevin Fiala has emerged. You made big splashes at the trade deadline. And you are going to go into salary cap hell next season. So you have to make it work this year. Like, you have to go for a run. Because next year, it's not guaranteed. And all that good you did this year in the regular season, we had so much fun and all that was so great watching the Wild win. It's a fresh start next year. You have no idea what's going to happen next season. So I think it's imperative that they at least get to the second round of the playoffs. And if they don't, if they lose in the first round to St. Louis, massive disappointment. Insanely massive Listen, disappointment. You guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Spurgy? Hard work and having fun. That. This is about winning. I love it. You know, the, the other thing, too, is we can play this game almost every year where all right, the Wild are really, really good, but, oh, man, Look at the other really good team that they have to face in the first or second round, right? Like, show me a year where the Wild are going to be just far and beyond the best team in a sport that has all sorts of parity and randomness to it. And they're just going to get a cakewalk through the first, second, third rounds. Like, that doesn't exist in hockey. So whether it's this year or any of the previous, you know, decade, basically, that they've been going to the playoffs... They're going to have to rise up and beat really good teams that can also win the Stanley Cup. And that's been the biggest failure to this point. So I believe they've made, in the, in the last 10 years, the only team that's made the playoffs more than the Wild is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Penguins have a, at least one cup over that stretch, potentially two. Don't they have three cups since like 2008 or something? Yeah. Something so like it kind that. of depends yeah. on when they fall in. So... The Wild have been to the playoffs more than every team in the last decade except for the Penguins, but they've never been past the second round. It's like at some point, I don't want to I don't want to sit here and 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 you know be negative uh, Macadac, but like guys, you got Kirill Kaprizov, you got one of the great goalies of this generation, you got some depth, you got some players that have popped up and had career seasons, Zuccarello, like Kevin Fiala. Just go do it, right? Like I don't think we should be afraid to. I feel like we sit here sometimes as Minnesota sports fans. And I'm not blame, I'm not saying you guys are doing this, but oh, but it's going to be really hard. And oh, but oh, but oh man, the Vikings might have to face this team on the road. It's like yeah, I mean, hello, like welcome to winning a championship. Welcome to getting to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's right. going to be really hard. Now, is it is it going to be harder potentially for the Wild than some of the like the way that the, we can talk about this too? The way that the playoff bracket sets up in the NHL, your path is actually going to be easier if you get past the second round. Like, you might face the two hardest opponents in the first and second rounds, and then you get a reprieve, potentially, (laughs) as much as you can have a reprieve in the Western Conference Finals. So, you know, I don't know if I love that, but I don't know. The Blues are good. So are the Wild. Yeah. 
At some point, you, yep. you got to go beat a good but team that's why, in seven-game series. And, and yes, I, I agree. It's disappointing if they lose. If they lose in six or seven, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you for the, the fact that I think it's going to be a really, or it should be a really good, evenly played series. The difference, though, is I think that that this team has the intestinal fortitude to actually not be a bunch of whining losers, which this team previously was. And so I think they're going to fight through things. And they should be, look, the, the loss in seven games last spring to the Knights should help them. Like, like there should be reference points now. Kaprizov has to do more. He simply does. Um, I'm just saying that this this is going to be a hard-fought, really fun. Don't don't assume. I don't want people to assume, yeah, the Wilds had a great year. They're going to go in and kick some ass. No, they're not. It's going to be difficult. I am willing to give the benefit of the doubt to teams, though, that care and that actually care. Look, the Wolves with Ant are a different team to me. The Wolves are a different team. They're not a sniveling bunch of whiny, some guys are, but a bunch of whiny babies. They have guys like Pat Bev and Ant. This this wild team should be tough, and they should play tough. Um, but, you know, I grew disgusted previously because, you know, there were always excuses, right? Like, put the excuses aside, go battle your asses off, go play hard, but you're going to exchange punches, you'll win some, you'll lose some, and and I am very willing to see how this plays out but as far as expectation yeah i expect i expect i expect that this team should be at the point where it can make a run is it going to i have no clue my other question is on the format i know you guys have talked about this on judd's hockey show but very controversial so the nhl correct me if i'm wrong is trying to set up rivalries right Correct. Like they want yeah, you to play division teams in the yep. first. They want to guarantee division matchups in the in regional matchups in the postseason. Correct. Which I get it. So it's going to cause some more bad blood between the Wild and the Blues, and then you know fan bases can be passionate, whatever. Yep. But there's a good chance. I would say good chance. There's a there's a fair chance that the Wild could wind up with the second most points in the Western Conference. So they're currently two points behind the Flames, one point behind the Blues, and the Wild have an extra game in hand over both those teams. So it's very feasible the Wild could wind up second in points in the Western Conference behind Colorado, in which case they would play Dallas or the Kings or the Vegas Golden Knights are still sitting there just on the outside looking in, that they would play a much weaker opponent in the first round, get yourself some momentum, maybe win that game, Series in five or six games, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Like if it Keep was going. just if it was just conference, yep. like the NBA, yep, yeah. Keep going, yep, yep. And so you know that happens, and then okay, and then let's see here. Then you would play, uh, you know, whoever wins the the three six matchup, which would be probably then you probably play the Blues or Calgary in the second round, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, that seems like you should be rewarded for winning more games in the regular season to put yourself in a situation to not have to play. Like, why do you have to play the blues in the first round? If you finish right. potentially second and they could finish second in points in the West and play the right. freaking blues in the first Cause, round. Cause the, the first place team in the Pacific, the flames is going yeah. to get the seven. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look this, the problem is this. I'm not ducking here. But no, no, I'm no, just you're saying hockey, 
hockey has never had a playoff format that makes its fan base happy. Like, <laughs> like this is the Which... problem because they, they used to do what, what you're talking about. And then it's like, well, the wilds playing the Canucks. I mean, I don't, so they've always struggled with like, because this format doesn't make the most sense, but it is, but it creates the most fun and that's what they want. But I totally get your point. And yes, it's frustrating that, that, your path to the Western Conference Finals is actually way tougher. It's way like the hardest path of any team in of the this. league. Yeah. Yes. You're right. You had to go through Colorado. So think about this too. Yep. If you were if you if you got the second seed, again, not that you're looking to duck Colorado, but it would be nice to give a couple other teams a shot but to upset are. them in the first but two you rounds. Yeah. You know, if they happen to get knocked off in the second round and you don't get to meet them in the Western Conference Finals, all right, that's the way the league works. Oh darn. But now you're guaranteed almost to face them in the second round if you can get past the Blues. It's just like what I don't know. What's the what's the point of at this point? Like why are you even trying to rack up? It doesn't matter. You should just be resting, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I think it should be go back to what it was, which was the one through eight, two versus seven, four through six. Division winners don't matter. Like I I don't think that should play a factor. The the contradictory part is like every hockey fan and even casual sports fans even say well. There's nothing like NHL playoffs, right? So they, they even look at like the format setup as like, well, actually, we're going to do this division setup where the second place team plays the third place team, and then that second place team has to win place your division. Like it, but no one knows how that even works. Right, like, and that's, that, works. that is what is so dumb to me. Like when baseball was like, hey, we're going to add a second wild card team. Okay, what are we going to do here? And now we're going to award a division winner. Well, actually, the third division winner still has to go to the plan. Like, wh- why are the playoffs for hockey and baseball like this? It makes no sense. Format wise, well, and then you know, take the NBA. Oh, and right. I get the NBA's had some issues the last few years too, with just like they've seen some TV ratings drop off. But I think the NHL would love to have the NBA's popularity and reach 100%. and Correct. excitement, right? Correct. And the the NBA doesn't obsess over. Well, we need to make sure that like the Bucks and the Bulls are playing each other in the first round. No one cares. It's 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 the most regional first round matchup. No one is like, oh, it's a Milwaukee Chicago. Right. They're in the same division. The, the rivalries in the NBA are not based on regions. I mean, they're based on conferences, but like the Heat and the Celtics for all those years, right? And then the, the Celtics and the Lakers in the 80s were a rival. But basketball... It had nothing to do with region. Right, but b- basketball is more popular. See, ho- hockey's trying to, to milk something that, that basketball doesn't need. Like, basketball is basketball. P- people are going to be, oh, playoffs are here. I'll watch. Hockey is always trying to like be, be like, what can we do to get three more people to tune in? <laughs> Blues fans hate the Wild. We'll have that series. So like, it's literally a, a problem of of basketball, big kid, hockey, baseball, sort of little kid, right? So they're they're like, what can we do to appeal? Basketball and football don't have to be concerned. So, so does I, does it move? I, I the, am I wrong? Does it move the needle? So does a because the Wild and the Blues, which aren't even like really regional rivals, like I get they're in the same division, but like I don't know, well, do Wild can... fans like do Wild fans hate the Blues and the Blues fans enough to I don't know, like they're I just, just don't. Trying... I get your point totally. I'm telling you, they are desperately grasping at straws yeah. to get whatever they they can to create a uh, to create you know like the Flames and Wild. Ain't nobody care about that. Like, oh, you hate Calgary. I, I always thought it, it was hilarious when for a while, Wild fans hated the Canucks. 
we hate the Canucks. It's like, do you really hate the Canucks? Like, uh, do you really hate them? So, Phil, your point is a good point. I agree with what you're saying. And that being said, I know exactly why why these playoffs are set up like they are. But But as a fan of the team, it is frustrating to see that team have to basically go through the first two rounds that are just, you know, incredibly tough. And the problem, too, is this. So you, if you do uh, get, get through and you're to the Western Conference Finals now, it actually gets easier. I know. Which, which and, and, and to it's your point, like, is not how it should be. And the games are higher profile then, and more people conceivably yeah. would be watching, and it's and it's not a rivalry. <laughs> like you've, no, you've right. guaranteed a non-rivalry game almost in the Western Conference Finals. And right? now it's the Flames. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, the other thing to bring up here, so uh, wild play tonight in Montreal. Do we know for sure that Talbot is starting this game? It's his turn based on the... Uh, I know Chafee, the, 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 a player will be making his NHL debut uh, tonight because they said that. I'm not sure if it's uh, Talbot or not. Probably is Talbot. I'm, but... I'm willing to bet a lot of my hard-earned cash it's Cam Talbot. Mm-hmm. So it's now... truly gone through... With the yeah, Talbot in that. I believe this is Talbot the fi- okay. So he's in that. So this is the fifteenth game, I believe, fourteenth or fifteenth game since they traded for Mark Andre Fleury, and they have literally alternated every Don't other call game. Call it a rotation, Phil Mackey. Don't call it a rotation. Dean doesn't like that. It's very clearly a rotation. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what did I just say? Is this going to continue? So they have seven regular season games left, and then the playoffs. I mean, at what point does Mark Andre Fleury just? Like he hasn't played back to back games with the Wild yet. Mm-mm. Correct. Is Correct. is you know what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are this. Um, I think there's a lot of pe- people who think that this will sort itself out, including me, and think, yeah, you know what, it, uh, Flower might start the first game, and if he's good, he's going to stay in there. But here's the thing to keep in mind with Dino, and it's a fairly important thing, unless he's overruled. Dean Evason loves consistency and he loves to have his players know what he's going to do. That's become very clear. Um, Dean leaves his lines together to a fault. In fact, one problem is when, when they struggle, like the, like Zuccarello Kaprizov Hartman on Sunday was just awful. They were terrible. And, And ordinarily, I would say in 2022, eight out of 10 coaches would say, I'm going to break you guys up. You're not playing well. You might be back together eventually, but not tonight. Mm -hmm. Dean doesn't do that. And so when it comes to goaltending, I think that there is a surprising level of consistency that he likes his players to know and, and have. In other words, I'm not going to be surprised if when the playoffs start, they start in a rotation and i know that there are people that will go crazy will hate it i'm mixed about it um but i i asked him after the game on sunday i said you're really weird in, in the fact that you don't juggle lines like you leave things together mm-hmm. most coaches now like that's an old school thing but now i mean jacques lemaire would blow up lines just because he got bored and he said i like to allow the players to figure it out if I step in and try and manipulate things, I'm basically taking the power from them. I don't like that. And so I think that that probably translates to goal. So I'm predicting he's going to open with a rotation. That's my prediction. 
I think Flower gets the benefit of the doubt in game one. I think he gets the benefit of the doubt in game one. If they win game one, I still think he gets it again in game two. I think Flower starts back-to-back games if they win. Um, just looking at since the trade deadline here, okay, because both Flower and Flurry have been phenomenal together when they've been playing. So since the trade deadline, here are some goalie rankings uh, in terms of goaltenders who have played at least 300 minutes, because obviously there's a crap ton of goalies that I've played, but amongst starters, basically starting goaltenders in the last month. These have played about seven to eight games. In terms of GAA in that time period, so goals allowed, Calum Talbot is first. Marc-Andre Fleury is fourth. In terms of save percentage, Marc-Andre Fleury is second. Talbot is third. In high danger save percentage, Marc-Andre Fleury is fourth. And Cam Talbot is actually farther down the list at 28. So the one thing that, in my opinion, has kind of broken the back, and this is where I think you've seen Marc-Andre Fleury do this, is in high danger situations, Fleury is more reliable. And also that's because he's legitimately one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. But traditionally, traditional statistics have suggested that both have been about the same. They've been pretty good. But I think at the end of the day, you have to trust that Marc-Andre Fleury is your guy. So if they lose game one and Marc-Andre Fleury's in net, wouldn't be shocked at all they go to Cam Talbot. If they win, it'll be Marc-Andre Fleury's net. Is there a chance, because you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is, what, 37 years old? Yeah, he's old. That, that part of this rotation is, all right, we're, we know we're in, and at this point, we know who we're playing. So let's just... There's not a whole lot to be gained running you out there for like three or four consecutive games. We might mix in Cam Talbot in the postseason, but let's do this rotation to keep you as fresh as possible for when the postseason hits. That's what I that's what I would think. I think Dean thinks I want to empower both both guys. I want to play both guys. I really I, I mean, everything he does as a coach is about maximizing the entire roster. And so, and Cam Talbot's not bad. And to, to Dex's point, he, he's been good, uh, especially since the trade. So that's why I, I think the way trying to get inside Dino's mind, trying to like get around in that mind, I really believe that he is going to give both a chance to play. Um, and I think that he is very big. Cause I mean, the guy plays his fourth line a ton. He likes to give, I, he plays, my God, he's playing Golagoski and Ben t- together consistently. I, w- I wanted to jump out of the press box on Sunday, but that's how he w- he works. That's how he operates. Um, and so I I really believe he's going to give both a chance to start. And if one guy is bad, that changes. But you know, since the trade, both have been good. And and what's weird is this: Flurry makes these unbelievable saves and gives up these crappy long range goals yeah. like Dex has talked about. Uh Cam is but and but I just really think in trying to surmise and watch games and see how Dean operates until he actually starts to bench guys a bit, like he just doesn't do it. He he really wants to allow he wants to empower players as much as possible, but he doesn't want to allow them to control the team, if that makes sense. No, no, that's fair. No, it's, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I think I, I would, again, you know, all the years that I've coached hockey, I'm going to come in with my takes right yeah, now. Whisper, you're the whisperer, man. That's right. I would uh, I would keep the rotation through the rest of the regular season. I may ask Marc-Andre Fleury, is it imperative for you to start back-to-back games at some point in the next seven? And if so, let's do it. Let's do it before the Calgary... Colorado back-to-back finish. Let's let's do it. A lot. Yep. 
you know, maybe maybe there's a, a back-to-back in there before. I, I don't know that I'd want to put him out there back-to-back against the two best teams in the Western Conference and then, like, boom, sure. he's got confidence problems going in or something. Sure. Uh, I don't know if he has confidence problems as a 37 year old, but I but I would I would check with him and say, listen, do you need? We want to play you a lot in the postseason. You're our guy, but you know, to what extent do you need to to see back to back games in the next two weeks? On your points, uh, point two though, Phil. So the the one thing is the Wild is probably going to keep going aggressively because the second and third place spots in the Central are not decided and. Home ice advantage can be crapped on as far as, yeah, you know, the fans, like they might be important. I don't know. But the one thing that's important is this last change. And and I'm not talking last change in games one and two. I'm talking about a potential game seven. So I think the Wild's going to keep going as much as possible to try and get second place. They, they go into tonight. They're in Montreal, as you said. And if I'm not mistaken, St. Louis is playing host to Boston. Uh, they've got a game in hand, but they're a point back. But I really think that there are some intangible or, or some some small things that could be huge for a Game 7 that's going to cause the Wild to chase the Blues aggressively to try and get second place. So, so like, we can debate about the fans and the buildings, but there are things like the last change that can be extremely important in that last game if you get to that last game. How about that? Look at look at what we just did there. Just a deep puck dive. <laughs> just an absolute master class in breaking down the wild right there. That's right. Playoffs, too. Here's the thing. Kaprizov has to be what Ant's been. Yeah, step up, dude. That, now, that's embrace, the guy who's got to play em, through stuff. You embrace play through the that, lights. Baby. Embrace the pressure. Yep. Um, speaking of embracing the lights, how about embracing the spiral light candles? Oh, oh I see what you did. Have there. been popular among some of the Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily listeners. Mm. And do you know why? It's very simple because Mom's Day is May eighth, and Mother's Day. You know what, guys? What sons, husbands? We always say we want to avoid cliche gifts, right? Like, like you don't want to get dad socks for Christmas. So there are certain things for mom you don't want to get. And that is where spiral light candles here. They come to save the day because they are, they are the perfect gift. I'm telling you right now, they smell great. They're not expensive. They start at 14 bucks and on orders of $50 or more, they ship for free spiral light candles are made locally. Best of all, they're shipped here too, so they get there quickly. Spirallightcandles.com. Spirallightcandles.com. Sports Dad is telling you right now, sons and husbands, you're looking for gifts. Order today. Get it done with. It'll ship. Surprise her on May 8th. She'll be thrilled. Spirallightcandles.com. Boom. There we go. I've got a full page of hockey beds here. I'm why is TNT? Why does why does TNT do sports so well? Like They're that's great. Song is it's awesome. unreal. They understand how to have fun pregame shows. But the you know? music even is God, like so good. I love it. I love it. All right, dudes. So write that down tomorrow, where we admit that we were wrong. We make predictions. And uh, Timberwolves tonight, little Timberwolves vent line special. Mackie and Judd after game two is over on the Score North YouTube channel. So. Check that out, too. All right, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. See you guys.